Give Jesus all the praise this morning. Come on, he's better than that. You know it. I tell you what, uh, happy 4th of July weekend. Uh, just think today is the last Sunday that some people will have all 10 fingers. Come on, that's funny. Are you, are you ready to laugh? Are you ready to, to have a good time? I hope... Hope you are. Um, my, welcome. My name is Adam Harold, and uh, my incredible wife Tanya and I have the privilege of leading this wonderful community called called the Refuge, and uh, it's it's one of the our favorite things that we get to do, and uh, it brings some of the greatest opportunities for us, and uh, we just absolutely love serving Jesus alongside of you. And you're here on Fourth of July weekend. That's a big deal. Like, like, give yourself a pat on the back this morning. Come on, this is one of the least attended services that we'll have all year, and you are here. So, thank you so much for being here this morning. Today, we're wrapping up a series that we've been calling "Evaluate," where we've evaluated the rules of our church. And as we've evaluated the rules of our church, we've gotten to share those rules with you or those values with you and share, share with you who we are, and um, we've, I've, had a, I've had a great time preaching it. I hope you've had a great time hearing it. Uh, week one, we talked about how we will be in our city and for our city, fiercely loving people that we've never even met, because on June the 24th, we had an opportunity to serve our community at a, an event called Summerfest, and boy, did we have, a, did you have a good time there? I had a blast doing that, and um, we just had, had so much fun. Um, I won't talk about blast anymore today, just so you know. Um, we will be dreamers and risk takers, not settling for our dreams to remain dreams, where we was in week two, and we talked about how we are dreaming of every generation coming to know Jesus, that every generation would choose faith, and so that's the dream that we have. In week three, we talked about we'll be known what we're for and not what we're against and how we're going to care more about souls and arguments because that's what Jesus did in, in John chapter, uh, chapter four. Then last week, we talked about how we're going to laugh as much as we breathe, as hard as we can stand, and a little louder than normal. And I've done my best with telling a couple jokes this morning to make you laugh. And some of you did, and some of you, I'm still, I'm still working on it, so I'll get you by the end of the service. But we talked about how we're going to celebrate the harvest. We're going to celebrate the harvest because what we celebrate matters, and it matters to God. We're not going to celebrate sin. We're going to celebrate people turning from sin. And today we are in core value number five, our final value, which we are talking about excellence. We will be excellent in all things because excellence honors God and inspires people. The scripture that we've been looking at in this entire series has been John chapter 4. I was telling someone this last week that the thing that amazes me about John 4 and our cultural values is that we didn't write our values according to John chapter 4, but because they're biblical values, they fit in John chapter 4. And that just absolutely blows my mind. We've been studying a, a conversation that Jesus has 
with the Samaritan woman at the well. We've we, in, in week one, we looked at 42 verses. Like, I read 42 verses. I'm not going to do that today. So uh, we did that in week one. But today we're going to get to the conclusion of the Samaritan woman at the well. So before we get to the conclusion, let me paraphrase what has happened in John chapter 4 up until this point. The scriptures in John 4 begin with this phrase, Jesus and his disciples were baptizing people, but Jesus himself did not baptize them. The disciples did. And then it goes on, and they travel to this place called Galilee. And on their way to Galilee, the Bible says they, they had to go through this town called Sychar, this village called Sychar. And in order to do that, they went through Samaria. And while they were in Samaria, the disciples go and get something to eat while Jesus goes to this well known as Jacob's well. And he meets with this woman from Samaria, the Samaritan woman, and he has this conversation with her. He begins the conversation by saying to her, may I have a drink of water? Can I have a drink of your water? And she looks at him and she's like, you talking to me? Like, why are you talking to me? Your people don't talk to my people, and men don't talk to women, so why are you talking to me? And then Jesus says to her, well, if you knew who I was, then you'd be asking me for water, and I would give you living water. And, of course, Jesus is speaking spiritually here. The water that he's talking about is spiritual, but it gets the woman's attention, and she says, I want some of that. Like, give me some of that water. I would, I would love to never thirst again and not have to come to this darn well ever again. I don't want to have to come here. And so the conversation goes on, and he says, well, I tell you what, before I give you this living water, why don't you go and get your husband? <laughs> and she's like, well, I don't, I don't have a husband. And he's like, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the guy that you're living with now ain't your husband. He's like, thank you for telling me the truth. I love the point, the, the, the fact that Jesus exonerated her for telling him the truth. Like, he honored that. He's like, thank you for, for, for not lying to me. And she goes on, and she's like, man, if you know this about me, you must be a prophet. And, um, and he says, and, and so he goes on to tell her that, He's not just the prophet, but he's, he's the Messiah. And so, but before he tells her that he's the Messiah, he says, he, uh, she says to him, your people, you're a prophet. Your people say that we should worship in Jerusalem. My people say that we should worship this, on this mountain right here. What's the truth? Where should we, where should we worship? And there are plenty of places that Jesus could have gone with this conversation, but instead what he does is he doesn't even engage in the argument because he cared more about her soul than arguing with her. And so that's what we mean by we'll be known what we're for, not what we're against, because we're going to care more about people's souls than their argument. Then Jesus reveals that he's the Messiah, and the woman drops her bucket, runs and tells the entire town, come and see this man who's told me everything that I've ever done. Could he possibly be the Messiah? 
we find ourselves this morning in verse 39, where the story, where that leaves us in verse 39, and we're going to begin reading there. We're going to read verse 39 through 42, but before we do, let's ask our Father to join our conversation. Are you with me? Can we do that? Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for uh, the way that you speak to us through your word. Lord, I, I thank you for these faithful people that are here this morning, Father, that, that have given your, their time uh, today to honor you. And Lord, I, I pray that you would speak to their hearts through your word, because your word is so much better, so much louder, so much more truthful than my word, and I thank you for that. And God, I just ask, as a resident of Maine, that you would please allow the stinking rain to stop this summer. God, we are tired of rain. We know that you promised us in your word that you'll never flood the earth again. But God, it seems that you want to flood this earth again. So God, we ask that you would give us a dry rest of this summer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, I heard that amen. Come on. Y'all are tired of the rain. Man. I, I got to admit, uh, this last week I had the privilege of going to the beautiful state of Montana, and it didn't rain there. So uh, God's not calling me there, though. Don't worry about it. I ain't going anywhere. All right. John chapter 4, verse 39 says this. It says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything that I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days. He stayed for two days. Long enough for many more to hear the message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe. Not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. We will be known what we're, or sorry, we will be excellent in all things because excellence honors God and inspires people. So how do we know that this woman, the Samaritan woman, goes to town and announces that Jesus is the Messiah with excellence? How do we know it was done with excellence? The reason we know it was with excellence was because it inspired the people. It inspired the people enough that they asked Jesus to stay a little bit longer. But what is, what is Jesus' role in this? What, what is he doing? Well, if you remember throughout this series, we said that Jesus displays four values, four of his values in this, this conversation. The conversation that he, ha that he has with this woman, he, it displays that he's generational, he's intentional, he's biblical, and he's relational. I'll say him again. I've said him once every, in the last four weeks. I'll say him one more time. Jesus was generational, he was intentional, he was biblical, and he was relational. In this section of our story, in the conclusion, which of these values does he put on display? Well, I believe 
that verse 40 tells us not just how he was involved, but what, which one he put on display. Verse 40 of John 4 says, When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two more days. Verse 41, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. In this part of the story, Jesus stays because he's relational, but it doesn't just stop there because he's relational. Have you ever thought about this question? I wonder where God stays. I wonder where God lives. I wonder where God wants to be. And so I want to ask that question this morning. And in order to do that, I want to, or in, in doing it, I want to answer it with four, four points, four places that Jesus stays this morning. Number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you're not taking notes, you can write it down. Number one, God stays with those who seek him with their whole heart. God stays with those who seek him with their whole heart. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, you will find me. The people who the Samaritan woman goes and tells about Jesus respond by believing and asking Jesus to stay and he does. Like that blows my mind that they actually, they asked him to stay and he actually did it. He stayed with them long enough for many more people to believe. He stayed two days. That's all it took. And so in this story, we, in this part of the scripture, we see he's relational. So he stayed because he's relational but he also stayed because he's generational, because many more people believed in him. He wanted the message to continue. That was the whole reason he went to, to Jacob's well in the first place. He was generational, but he was also intentional. So he was intentional by staying because they asked him to. And then he was biblical because they sought him with all their heart and they requested him to stay. So he was displaying all four of his values. Jesus staying with those who are seeking him is consistent with scripture. It's throughout all of scripture that if you seek him with your whole heart, that's the problem. Some of you are in here this morning and you're seeking him, but it's not with your whole heart. It's just the part that's easy. It's just the part of the heart that's easy. It's just the part of the heart that's comfortable. It's just the part of the heart that no one else is going to care that you're seeking God in that. It's wholeheartedly that we must seek him. That's what he responds to. So, number one, God stays with those who seek him with their whole heart. Number two. God stays close to the brokenhearted. God stays close to 
the brokenhearted. Psalm chapter 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Maybe you're here this morning and your spirit's been crushed for whatever reason. I want you to know that God is close to you today. Maybe you're here and you're your heart's been broken for whatever reason. Maybe it was a diagnosis. Maybe it was a, a disaster in your life. It was some sort of thing that you didn't see coming, and it broke your heart. I want you to know this morning that the Scripture says that God is close. God is close to the brokenhearted. You know why I think he's close to the brokenhearted? I think he's close to the brokenhearted because when our hearts are broken, we're more likely to seek him with our whole heart. He's close to you. I sense by the quietness in this room that there are a lot of broken hearts today. Maybe there's not. Maybe your heart's not broken. Maybe, maybe your heart is good. Can I just say, don't allow God to give you a broken heart so that, so that you, you seek him. Seek him when your heart is whole. Because it's, easy to, it's easier to seek him when our heart is broken. Don't give him reason for the heartache to come into your life to force you to seek him. Because the truth is, is he wants a relationship with you so much that he will, he's willing to break your heart in order for you to seek him. That's how much he loves you. You're like, but if he loved me, Adam, why would he break my heart? Because it's oftentimes in the broken heart that we have nowhere else to turn, that we seek him with all of it. That's why he's willing to break our hearts. But let me tell you, he doesn't want to do that. So if you're here with a broken heart this morning, I'm so sorry. But God wants you to seek him. If you're here without a broken heart, seek him now without a broken heart. God stays close to the brokenhearted. Number three, God stays with those who fellowship in his name. He stays with those who seek him with their whole heart. He stays with those who are brokenhearted. He also stays with those who fellowship in his name. Listen, this is great news for us. Because this morning, we're gathered in his name, and he is here. He's here. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20 says, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it. For where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am among them. When we fellowship in his name, He's here. 
in week three, I talked about the word worship and how oftentimes we, we, um, we simplify worship. We water it down by saying that it's only music, that worship is music or music is worship. But I said, we boil that, we, we reduce it, we water it down because the Greek word for worship is the word proskuneo. The word proskuneo means to kiss the hand towards one. And so worship is an act of kissing the hand of God. You're, we're here, we're worshiping God. We want to please him. And so oftentimes I think that when it comes to God's presence, we, we have a tendency to water that down as well. Because we think that God's presence is anytime we're in a group of people singing praises to God and we can feel his presence, which is true, we can. But I'm here to tell you this morning, that is not just the presence of God. God's presence is so much more than just when people gather together in his name you know why God's presence is so much more than that? Because God's presence is a big deal. Think about everything that God did to accomplish his presence with us. He left heaven to come to this rotten earth to live a perfect life just so he could hang on a cross to die for our sin, to tear the curtain in two that separated us from his presence. And he got rid of the curtain just to be with us. And it cost him everything. God's presence is a big deal. And it's so much more than a feeling on Sunday when we get together with our friends singing songs about Jesus. It's with me tomorrow. It's with me Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and again when I come back next Sunday. It's with me all the time because I've called on the name of the Lord Jesus to be with me. God's presence is a big deal, and he will never leave those who call on him. I'm preaching better than you are amening. <laughs> God's presence is a big deal. We like to make it a feeling. It's not. It's truth. Number four, okay, one, he stays with those who seek him with their whole heart. He stays close to the brokenhearted. He stays with those who fellowship in his name. Last, last one, number four, God stays in his people. He stays in his people. Our body is the temple you know what that means? You know what a temple is? It's a place where God lives. Our body, he lives inside of us. When we call on the name of the Lord Jesus, he resides, he takes residence inside of us. He lives in us. He dwells in us. I discovered a verse this week that just absolutely wrecked me. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22. 
It says this. Through him, you Gentiles. Now, unless you're Jewish, that's you. I'm not Jewish. My boy, Mike, that was singing, he's half Jewish. But unless you're Jewish, that's you. Through him, you Gentiles. Also, these are the people in Samaria. This is why he had to go to the, to the well. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of his dwelling, where God lives by his spirit. Through him, you Gentiles are becoming his dwelling. You people are becoming his dwelling. God wants to take residence inside of each and every person that ever lives. He wants to dwell in us. This is why Jesus goes through Sychar, so that he can reach a generation of Gentiles because salvation is for every man, not just the Jews. God wants to be with us and he's done everything he can to be with us. So what does this have to do with excellence, Pastor Adam? Our value today is that we'll, we'll do everything with excellence because excellence honors God and inspires people. What does God's presence and God's staying places, what does that have to do with my excellence? And it brings me to today's big idea. Second week in a row that I've given you the big idea at the end of the service. I'm just keeping you on your toes because you're going to have all 10 of those next week. All right, last one. Come on, that was funny too. You guys are like, I did not expect that. Big idea for today. I have one thing to communicate. Our excellence reflects an excellent God who dwells inside of us. Hopefully, so that people will seek him because of us. Our excellence reflects an excellent God who dwells with us and hopefully inspires people to seek him. I read this quote about honor recently. It says this, Honor originates in our hearts and refers to the value that we personally place on something or someone. Let me say that again. Honor originates in our hearts and refers to the value that we personally place on something or someone. When we say that our excellence honors God, what we are saying is that our excellence places the highest value on the God who dwells inside of me, inside of you. That's why we do what we do with excellence because it reflects an excellent God. And I wanna do the best that I can for the God that did the best that he could for me. And the best he could do was give his everything. Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. 
Every head bowed. Every eye closed. This message is not about church attendance. You're here on the 4th of July weekend. God's presence is not about church attendance. God's presence is about him dwelling with us. He loves you. He loves you so much. He gave his only begotten son, Jesus, so that you could call on his name and have a relationship with him. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. We're going to open these doors to my right. And if you, need, if you need prayer, for those of you with broken hearts this morning, let me encourage you, go to the room to my right, your left, and ask people to pray with you. But maybe you're here and you've never heard a message about God wanting to be with you. Can I help you call on him today? Would you, if you need Jesus in your life, I'm not gonna ask anybody to raise your hand. I'm just gonna ask you to fill out the card in front of you and mark on it, I'm committing to follow Jesus and drop in the black box. Or if you take it to, to the room to my, to my right, we'll give you a new Bible and, and, and we'll just, we'll help you along the way. But that's gonna require you to give it to somebody else. We wanna walk with you in this. Because there will be moments that you think God leaves you. You need a brother or a sister to come alongside of you and say, no, he's still right here. He hasn't gone anywhere. Because his promises tell us he doesn't leave us or forsake us. If you need Jesus in your life this morning, would you say this prayer with me? Say, God, I know I need you. God, come into my life. Save me from my sin that separated me from you. Give me a relationship with you. Come into my life. Make me new. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I, I feel the Spirit asking me, telling me, to pray for the broken hearts today. Can I do that? Father, I thank you that you are close to the brokenhearted. And I thank you that the brokenhearted, whatever mountain caused that heart to break, in Jesus' name can look to it and say move, and it will move. Father, I pray in the midst of our broken hearts today that we would find the courage to speak to our mountains. That you would speak to them on our behalf because, Lord, we know that it's not our word that moves mountains. It is your word that moves mountains. We trust you. We give it all to you today with excellence. Because excellence honors God. It places the highest value on you. And it inspires others. I pray that we would leave here today inspired because of what we've seen. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing a song together.